0: www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com.
1: Everybody loves me because my top line's huge. So anytime you hear somebody and you're like, how's business going? Oh my God, I'm so busy, but I'm making more, I've got more revenue coming in than I've ever had. Chuckle to yourself after this call and go, yeah, but what's your, you know, what's your gross margins looking like? What's your profit margin? What's your return on revenue?
2: This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Well, hello
0: and welcome everybody to The Real Bottom Line. I'm so happy today that our guest is John Swain. Hello John, thank you for joining us today. Hey everybody. So. I'm really excited to have John here because John is an accountant, and we almost always think of accountants and we, we uh, profile them in a certain way, and I don't think John uh, has any of those profile attributes, so so excited that uh, you spend some time with us. I'd like to talk a little bit first about your journey because you own your own firm, so that means you're an entrepreneur like the rest of us. Uh, it just happens that your technical expertise is accounting. So. What was your journey from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world?
1: I tell you, it started, uh, honestly, it honestly started back when I was 14 years old. Uh, My mom and dad were also entrepreneurs, the quintessential entrepreneurs, um, you know, risk takers, problem solvers. And, you know, right around when I was 14, my mother uh, um, said, you know, it's time to move on to bigger things here before that i was sweeping floors and stocking shelves and <clears throat> making cotton candy and working the cash it was it was a a, a diner a convenience store a gas bar so it was sort of the, all of that kind of stuff and she said okay it's, it's time you're 14 it's time you learn how to do the books so back then you know the books were like the old big old ledgers and yeah and I, uh, I I said, OK, it looks kind of difficult. And the other thing I remember, too, is that <clears throat> it's cash business, right? So our dining room table growing up was always full of these wads of ones, twos and five dollar bills. Like I mean, it would look like a, 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 a drug house or a you know, mafia place, but mom would be counting the, the bills. And so I, I thought that was kind of exciting. And, and so um, she taught me how to sort of. Do the cash journals and then add everything up, and and show me that when you went from the left of the journal to the right, all of a sudden you'd end up with zero, and that's when everything was balanced. And if it didn't balance, you'd be out, you'd be out a little, little bit of money. You have to go look for it. And I fell in love. Like I thought, oh my god, this is this is really cool. And and uh, and so mom uh, said, you know, the thing is, is you could. You know, I know John. You want to go be a rock star, but but maybe uh, as a as a sort of a fallback on, you can study to be a chartered accountant, and and so I thought that sounds really cool. And, uh, so at 14 years old now that, uh, if everybody remembers the show family ties, I-, I was Alex P. Keaton. I had a typewriter. <laughs> Did I- you have
0: a little briefcase? Oh yeah. Uh,
1: well, I wanted one. Mom and dad wouldn't let me get one cause they knew how nerdy it'd be. But I, I had a little, I-, I actually asked for a typewriter for, for Christmas when I was like 10 and I would pi- type all my papers up. I was, I was, was very nerdy. Um, but anyway, uh, so, uh, it was exciting because the first year-end meeting with their accountant um, was scheduled, and Mom said, "Asked me if I wanted to come with her to the year-end meeting." <clears throat> so here I am, this fourteen-year-old boy, and I thought, "This is this sounds really cool." Yes, yes, I want to go. And I dressed all up, and 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 so we went to the meeting. And um, you know, my mother was much like you, Wendy, very tenacious, very you know ambitious, and and. And and something happened when we went into that office. She just she just her posture sort of got bad. Her she was shy. She was intimidated, and the meeting was quite over under underwhelming. You know, there was it, it was uh, it was a lot of like you know explaining all the things that they sort of didn't do right, and you know um, when Mom had brought up some things that they were thinking of doing, it was kind of quashing it and. It was just weird to see my mother in that light. And, Mm. and so, you know, afterwards um, we got, we were in the car and I, and I asked her, I said like, sorry, is that what a chartered accountant does? Like, is that what I'm aiming for? And she said, well, you know, it's, it's much like getting your tires changed or going to the principal's office. It's one of those things where you, you know, you want to get in and out as quick as possible. And Hopefully, can you still hear me? It looks oh, yeah. like keep I... yeah, keep going, keep I, I going. Was, I'm
0: loving okay. your story.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and so it was at that moment to myself. Someday, I, I'm not going to bail on the dream. I, I, someday, I want to actually go and, and work with small businesses, just like my mom, um, and to help them you know, run better businesses to help them to not feel alone to, because I don't know if that accountant knew who he had in his office, but he had the absolute rock star of small business ladies yeah. and he could have, you know, gotten so much out of her and helped her. And he lost the opportunity, squandered it. And I swore that I said, no, no, I am not going to bail on this someday. I will do this. I will sit in that chair uh, my hair might be longer, I might be cooler, but I'm gonna I am gonna take everybody that comes in here and inspire them. And so you know, every single client, and I and I mean this, every single client that sits in my red chair, I got a big red couch when we're not in lockdown, of course, that sits in my chair, male, female, I don't care. I I see my mother and my father, and I and I and I want to to work with them so that they don't ever feel like this is a this is like being at the principal's office or this is like the dentist office or that. No, when you come to Swain's, we're going to have fun. We're going to leave inspired. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that was the journey.
0: I love it. I I have a personal philosophy too, that uh, finance is a serious subject. Doesn't mean we can't have fun doing it. So it sounds like that's kind of your mantra as well.
1: That's a bit, you know, finances are very, very big part of our lives. I mean, uh, marriage finances like like uh, marriage finances children and it's amazing how the three of them can either work really well and harmoniously or they can completely destroy each other so so uh, <laughs> my my job is to keep it harmonious <laughs> my job is to help people with their life first and foremost right and you're right it, does, it yes it's a serious subject but god you know there's so much fun we can have it's a journey
0: yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. So you
1: started your own firm how long ago, John? Uh, I, we're going on 13 or 14 years ago now. I think okay, it was good. January 08. So yeah. I, I, I'm no accountant, but uh, yeah. That, it's, would,
0: it's that would do it. 13 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 21 minus 8, carried to 3. <laughs> uh, so, what, how did, so how have you grown? Because it, did you start as only you and now you have a team, I think of eight. Um, how did you grow and how, how, because I think that all entrepreneurs struggle a little bit about bringing that first person in and how do they know when to do it and how do they afford to do it? So how did you grow to a team
2: of eight?
1: Okay. Yeah, actually, this was uh, this was a fun story because it, it, it was, it was uh, double that at one point, um. So I started off. I hung a shingle, and again, my mother, because my, uh, so my mother, rest her soul, was a very big force in my life and very um, supportive. And and you know, I was doing corporate, you know, corporate Canada, corporate North America, <clears throat> making lots of money. Miserable, hated it. Hated my life. Never saw my kids. Never saw my my wife. It was awful. And she kept reminding me of that dream I, that started back when I was 14. And, you know, she said, the time never going to be right. And my wife was eight months pregnant. Um, you know, we had bills to pay. La da 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 da. Mom said, never timing's never going to be right. You're miserable. It's time. It's time to go do this thing. And so that, uh, that was uh, back in, well, uh, late 07 that we, I, this wheel started spinning and uh, I'll never forget because I was coming, I, I was working in Halifax, but living in, in uh, on the South shore. And I was driving home one day, it was just a terrible day, and one of my friends called her, doctor, and she, she called, her and her husband called and said, John, we, we know you're a chartered accountant, and we just need a little guidance right now because we keep getting passed around at the firm we're in, and we're thinking, we, you know, we're getting sick of it, and we're thinking about leaving and going to another firm, and we're wondering if you know anybody that would fit our lifestyle, and that was the moment. And I, it was just like, it's just like, if you believe in, in God or source power or unicorns or whatever you believe in, I was like, this is it. And I said, yes, hell yes, I know, me. And they, were, and they said, what? And I said, me. They said, you're going out on your own? I said, yes, I, I am. I'm fully going out on my own. I'm planning on it. And they said, well, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. And five minutes later, they called. And, and, I, and, I, and I hung up the phone. I thought, oh, my God, what did I just do? Five minutes later, they call and they say, congratulations, you're our new accountant. And jubilation and... Client zero. And, and, <laughs> yep, client zero. And, and, and I was vomitous uh, in, in every way. <laughs> I almost had to pull over. And anyway, yeah. but that was it. That was kind of like, okay, that's it, right? And so um, we, ha- we have a sunroom now, which um, which, which we converted into uh, a pool room because we, we've gotten a pool since then. But that sunroom... Uh, used used to be the beginning of uh, Swain CPA, and it was just John Swain, chartered accountant. I had a little shingle. I had one of my one of my later clients come in and do this little little waiting room for me. It was it was really quite quite the quite the little thing. And for three years, um, I I uh, practiced on my own. Uh, loved it. Oh God, they were they were you know the first year I made so little money it was it was it was almost embarrassing. And had the best year of my professional life. I just absolutely, the thrill of it. It was just so fun. And, and you know, we, and it was almost freedom too, uh, in a weird way. It was freedom because nothing else mattered except for getting food on the table and paying the mortgage.
2: Right. Everything
1: else got to take us, you know, which is terrible for people like you, but no, RSPs, no, we're done. Uh, you know, like putting away like the emergency fund, done. I mean, you know, we talk about the one number solution. Now this was like one minus three solution. Like um, I created a shoe shoestring, shoestring budget, which I still to this day actually use because it, it um, not that I'm on a shoestring budget anymore but it really worked for me and it still does. So um, it's not near as good as the one number solution. I can tell you that. But, um, and so I did that for three years and God, during that three years, do I ever wish I would have read uh, Michael Gerber's um, E-Myth revisited? I really do wish I read it because I did. I was Sally, the pie maker, you know, right around year three was starting to not get fun. I was wearing all the hats, you know, um, and, and thought to myself, I need somebody that can offload a a lot of this crap on. Yeah. Uh, That was the thinking. Um, That was not what was in store for me because again, um, Source power, God, whatever you think is running this whole thing. I get a call from an old uh, gentleman, sorry, not, not, not a young fellow that used to work for me at my, my job in the city. And he says, my father owns a CA firm and they've got a little satellite office in Bridgewater uh, that they're trying to get rid of. They're trying to sell. It comes with five people. It comes with a client base. It comes with a building. It kind of comes with everything. And I thought to myself, oh my God, like, like here I am just thinking about getting an assistant to, and now I'm actually contemplating like buying kind of a a package deal. It's kind of more than I thought I wanted to do, but, but I listened to, I listened to Destiny. I listened to, you know, what the signs, right? And so you bought your team. I bought my team That's awesome. and it was weird because I mean, most of these people were like good, good at the time, they were a good 20 years older than me. I'm, I'm my mid thirties. I, you know, um, but I did it and it was great. Um, I, I had a really great team. Um, a lot of, a lot of resistance to change at first. Cause here I am this younger fellow with, you know, ambitious as hell. Mm. Um, just wanted to grow this thing. Like a lot of the things that, you know, as young, when we're younger, we, um, we, we don't think about growth in terms of good, good growth, good, mm. sustainable growth. Um, you know, patience is something I didn't have no patience at all whatsoever. So I did everything wrong from that period on For you know, for for about five years, I did everything wrong. Right. I, I wanted to, I wanted to be a national firm. I want to be big, but I didn't care how, how we did it. And so that's it. I mean, we, we started to, uh, you know, I bought a much bigger place. I hired people. I threw people at, at the problems mm. of growth, right? Instead of looking for labor efficiency, lof- looking for good process, I kept putting it off. Uh, we'll get to that when we reach a certain size. And, 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 and so, you know, uh, I'm a good sales guy. So, you know, revenue wasn't a problem. I could, I could, I can grow a firm and, and, we eventually we we moved into Halifax, um, and so we we now we had a couple of locations, a couple of groups of staff. We got up to fourteen at one point, and and you know that's when the problems really started to happen. I mean, um, we I believed that we needed to service everybody, right? Everybody. We we had a big t- personal tax practice. Uh, we took care of everything. The only thing we didn't do were audits, but we did everything else. Anything and anybody that walked in the door, because all I could see was growth, right? All oh, I God. could see was I want to inspire everybody I want to. Um, and then about six years ago, it, you know, it's just kind of like the, this leaky ship that I keep putting fingers and toes and noses in and all of that stuff.
0: And
2: you're um, exhausted,
0: no doubt, too.
1: Yeah, exhausted. You know, I, I, I hate my staff. You know, which is, which is terrible.
0: Yeah, I hate my business. Why I hate I I my,
1: client, <laughs> my staff. But worst of all, I hate myself.
2: Mm. Right?
1: I, I'm, I'm just this isn't this isn't what I was born to do. So what, what was it? You know, it's not what I meant, what it was meant to do. And so about six years, something had to break. And at that time, there was a company still is. I'm great, great friends with them. Um, still work with them quite a bit. I'll plug them right now. Simplicity Designs, so as some of you might have heard of. We um, we got them in. We we started off with doing um, a little a little five day course that they had had. It was just an intro course, uh, and I got to be good friends with uh, Matt Sims, who's the owner. And Matt um, really believed in our little firm and thought, you know, what what he saw what he saw in us, which I I, I never ever lost. I always had it, although I was misguided in my in the way we were growing what i never lost was our purpose i mean mm. we always had a very solid sense of what our purpose is and that's to inspire small business owners i had that since i was 14 and so because that was so entrenched in in everything that we did he you know he thought that we were ripe for a transformation and that's you know essentially a whole, a whole overhaul a whole purge a whole, you know, um, setup of strategic, um, strategic system, uh, continuous improvement environment, the whole kit and caboodle, and we did it. And it was it wasn't cheap. Um, it was it was it cost about as much as I paid for my house originally. We did get some funding for it, but that's the leap of faith that I took because you know it, it was so important. And what that taught us, it, you know, I, I could go, I could talk for days about, about the transformation that happened, but here's the biggest highlight. What it taught me was that I had to let go entirely. First of all, I had to let go of my ego. Yeah. There is no place in an organization. I'm sorry, but um, there is no place for an owner's ego. Um, and some people disagree with that, and, and that's fine. But for me, I had to lose that. I had to understand that this organization um, did not rely on me to to sit in my ivory tower and decide you know um how it was going to be run if i wasn't willing to bring process to the people to allow the people to shape the process that they inevitably were going to be living in and they and, and until i was ready to let go and let them make the adjustments and learn to take control and take ownership of the process and me step aside and just let it happen. Um I, I was never you know never gonna get through this and 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 ployed myself for for growth, true growth.
0: It seems right? to me when you're saying that, and I don't think this can be underemphasized, is the importance of your inside job. Yeah. Right? The, the the shift in your mindset, the shift in um how you actually served and got your mission done was something you had to be open and ready for and the second yeah. piece i'm taking away there is you got to be prepared to write a check sometimes because you need that help and that coaching and someone there beside you
1: yeah so so there is um and and, and wendy i'm sure you read uh um greg Crowtree's simple numbers um if, if folks haven't that's a that's a really great read um, but there is this, uh, there's just this point in a business lifestyle between the 1 million and 5 million point of revenue. Yep. Um, and that's kind of a real uncomfortable zone because you you you've reached sort of a level of, well, I can't just run this business on wit anymore. Intuition. I'm getting too many clients. I got too many staff. There's you just too much
0: formality.
1: Yeah, I have to get some informality. and so um, what a lot of companies will do is go. I gotta, I gotta have an HR department. I gotta get a sales and marketing department. I gotta, I gotta get a CFO. I might even have to hire a CEO because yeah. I can't do it anymore. Like this is the, this is you know, and, and and the problem with that is that you can't afford it. You can't afford it yet, and so you know what we learned, uh, and and you know this is this isn't news. I, I didn't come up with this. Um, is okay. Figure out how you're going to get through that uncomfortable zone by getting smarter about how you're running your company, right? So don't feel that you have to service everybody. Get it in your head that you want to service, you know, the ideal client, the one that has the highest contribution margin that you enjoy working with. Contribution margin is, you know, basically sales minus direct costs, right? Yeah. Making sure, you're kind of like gross margin, is similar. Uh, we want to make sure that they're profitable, that we love working with them, that we're not trying to be all things to all people, that we're trying, it's, and this is the hedgehog concept, comes right out of good to great.
0: Yeah. The
1: idea that, you know, we want to be the best in the world in a specific sphere and make the highest profit within that sphere, right? And so for us, it was kind of easy. We said, well, we love small business owners. We love them. We want to service and inspire small business. So, that, so then, you know, it, it becomes... You know, we, and we look to purpose. Well, that's our purpose. So then why are we, why do we have this huge T1 practice, individual personal tax return, right? It's slowing us down. It's gumming us up. There's not a crap load of money in it. No. You know, even on the whole there is, but um, it's, it's gumming up all our time. It's taking the attention away from the clients, you know, like Christine and Christina and Chris, like, like that we love dealing with. You know, it's taking our time away from them. It, so now, it's a
0: very transactional business versus being a strategic, right? Getting to play with the strategy elements.
1: Exactly. So yeah. this is where a couple of things happen. First of all, um, half of our staff under under when you get into like operating at this mode, there's little places for folks to hide. So either you know, and you're measuring, you're you're, you're, you're really in tune with what's going on in your company. So a couple things happened. First of all, our client base went extremely down. We went from a thousand clients yep. down to what we currently now have at two hundred and thirty.
2: Yeah. Now
1: for for about a year that hurt. After a year, we 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 got right back up to to the same revenue level. <laughs> but the other thing that happened is that half of our staff either voluntarily or involuntarily left. So we went from fourteen down to what right now is currently eight. We and, and when we bring on new people, so we were seven before, before uh, Christmas. Yeah. Operating like, like servicing the same revenue base. But now hear me out, now we're working, so we were, all of us, working 40 to 60 hours a, a week and, and during taxis, and we just lived there, like the joke was that you know, we're gonna put cots in everybody's office, down to, we're working 35, maybe 40 hour weeks. All right. So yep. we're working half the time yep. with half the staff with the same level of revenue.
0: Well, right? to me, that, that brings up, I, was, I wanted to get in some technical stuff, but first, I think that, that is what, to me, that's a mistake that business owners make is they focus on the top line and right. not the bottom line. Like when we look, you look at people's goals yeah. or business owners' goals a lot of time, I want to bring this yeah. much revenue in. And I don't think they focus enough on and make this much profit. So it seems to me that that's part of what your exercise was, was um, how much more of that can we hold on to as profit?
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. There's a couple of key metrics and hopefully I'm not getting too like accounting, any, but there's a couple of key metrics. I mean, obviously, one of my
0: questions was key good. metrics. So <laughs> yeah, that's
1: good. Well, well, we're wearing the same shirt and we joke that, you know, in, in another life, we were probably brother and sister. So um, I'm co- of course, uh, I'm reading your mind. A couple of key metrics that really, really started to matter when you're doing a transition like this. Obviously, you got to watch the top line. I mean, <clears throat> that's ironically the most, the least important. It's very important, but out of the metrics I'm about to explain, it was actually the least important. And you also should think of revenue as a vanity stat. Mm. You know, like revenue is one of these things where oh, it's great. People are voting for me with their dollars. They love me. Everybody loves me because my top line's huge. So anytime you hear somebody and you're like, how's business going? Oh my God, I'm so busy, but I'm making more. I, I've got more revenue coming in than I've ever had. Chuckle to yourself after this call and go, yeah, but what's your, you know, what's your gross margins looking like? What's your profit margin? What's your return on revenue? Right? So, so the metrics go like this in order of operations. Um, we're going to look at labor efficiency.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: labor efficiency, quite simply, is that if we're operating in a, in a really healthy um, environment, where people are working to potential, but not burning out, you're going to be on average. I mean, it's a give and take depending on the industry and depending on the the, the time of year, yep. right? But about a three to one ratio of, of revenue to, to, to labor dollars. Hmm. So for every dollar I'm paying my direct staff, I okay. should be seeing about a $3 revenue. Yeah. Now, now again, like guys, this is just a guideline. I mean, we're uh, even, even, even with all of this newfound like joy that we've got at Swains, you know, even during taxis, and there's times when we're operating at five and six yeah. to one. Now, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable all year round. But you're looking for about a three to one ratio, yeah. right? So labor efficiency is important. Contribution margin. So contribution margin is when we take off the direct costs right not not labor but the direct costs off of revenue right what is that contribution margin that's that, that that's that's a percentage right and you're you're you know that,
0: i actually that, think that people should almost do that yeah. as well if they're offering multiple yeah. profits pop pop products or services i feel like they should yeah. do that analysis on each and every one of them because Hell when yes. people start yeah looking at those numbers, all of a sudden they realize that their favorite thing they're selling the most of makes them the least amount of money. But if it's all buried in one big number, they're not not noticing it.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Great point. Like, so we call, I call that the biz, like segmented, you know, reporting. I
0: didn't know there was a technical term for (laughs) it. Thank
1: you. Oh yeah. It's all, it's all lingo. You gotta, you gotta run with the right crowd, Wendy. Um, send
0: me, send me the dictionary, please.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah. And, and I, guys, I'm joking. Like I'm talking to the master over here. She's on this side of me anyway. Um, but, but you know, the thing is, is that, oh my goodness, when you start looking at segmented analysis, wow. Like did that ever, the light bulb ever sometimes go on for people? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, no, you don't understand John this. I, I make so much money here. And then you do the segment. No, actually that you're losing contribution margin
0: Yeah, that
1: you're doing really good. But that, but that piece is actually dragging you down.
0: Everything else, <laughs> right? I think also, if you have um, rental properties, you should do the same thing. Particularly if people own it personally, it all again gets lumped together. Yeah, and they don't realize that one pro- one property may be um, taking all the profit away.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's this thing called here, here, here it is. There's a good balance between, you know, good, using numbers and a good management as, as a, as a, management tool. And then there's analysis paralysis.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, like, like get useful numbers that are simple and, and able, you know, you're able to put them together because if you're not going to be able to use them or in a timely way. So my key is like, like really sit down and think what really matters to me Yeah. What kind of visibility am I able to get and how, how much am I going to be able to create a habit and a cadence for looking at these numbers? So the cadence means like, I want to be looking at these either weekly, monthly, don't yeah. do it monthly, be looking at your numbers at least monthly. I look at my numbers weekly. I'm an accountant, I'm a nerd. And so I, I figured it out how to do it real quick, but be looking at these things at least monthly. Right. And, and don't make it so, I mean, I had one client, God, God love him. He wanted me to come in and help him, like sort of, sort of analyze what was going on. And so I showed up, and I, and I showed up to interview his CFO. And I said, "Well, tell me about the, show me the metrics you're looking, show me the the visibility that you got." And God lover, she pulls out this 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 big um, um, oh, binder that thick, and that was just for the month. And I said, "How long does it take you to create?" She said, oh, it's, I've been working on this for almost a month. I said, how much of it do you use? She said, I don't use any of it. And so, you know, with the owner, I'm like, how much are you actually looking at, right? And so that this particular owner was so caught up in like, you know, going down the rabbit hole. Every time I look at this, well, now I got questions. You know what? You got to at time sacrifice a lot of these little questions for like, what's the big picture here? What can I commit to and get a cadence for looking at, Right.
0: I love that. You know, the example I can give back to is from coaching. We used to go to strategic coach and they called it five dials. And it Mm -hmm. came from the fact that if you go into an air, uh, an airplane cockpit, there's a ton of dials and they said, no, we only watch five. And then what we do is if something's off with one, then we look at the others. So John, two of the dials you've mentioned today are labor efficiency and contribution margin. Mm -hmm. What's your other big dial?
1: The other big dial is return on revenue for us. What does that mean? So what we do is we take pre-tax earnings. So Mm -hmm. revenue minus expenses. Okay. Yep. All, All expenses. That and 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 we're not we don't have the taxes taken out yet. And and what I what I do is I will normalize a little bit. Yeah. And all normalized means, you know, like sometimes there's just things that are like one-off things. Sometimes there's things like.
0: Oh, okay. as normal, <laughs> yeah, weird we, expenses. The, the roof blew off the office building type stuff. Exactly.
1: You know, or even like right now we're in the pandemic and some of us might be receiving um, like certain, certain, like, you know, like the, the oh. suits or, yeah. or things like that that are kind of like, let's find out how we're really doing. Like, and yeah. so let's take some of that stuff out. Yep. And so once I get that pre-tax income and it has to be pre-tax here because taxes are kind of these, we got to live with taxes. Right? They are what they are. The other thing I'll do is many owner managers, um, if, especially if you're incorporated, um, you're, you're not, you might not be remunerating yourself with salary,
2: right?
1: Right. Salary gets deducted off that bottom line. Dividends don't. And hopefully I'm not talking to account on you, but but the other thing is, even if you are taking out salary, a lot of owner managers are taking out fair salary, yes. right? Fair market salary. They're either taking out too little, mm-hmm. which is normally what I see. But sometimes, you know, especially for mature companies, they're taking out too much, yeah. right? So, so then we make an adjustment for like, if you've taken no salary, you're just a dividend, you just take a draw, then yeah. I'm going to take roughly the fair market value of the owner's salary out of that number. Or if I'm taking out too much, I'm going to add you know, add back some, some number. And if I'm taking out too little, I'm going to reduce it by some. Yeah, And then that gives you the, um, your earnings that have been normalized and effected for the fair value of the owner's salary. And then I divide that by that top revenue number. Okay. Now a healthy company, and this is right across the board. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. And people will argue this, but I, you know, I, this really, this really is tried and true, especially restaurateurs argue this with me a lot. And, and I kind of find it funny, but a good healthy company is operating at about a 15% retur- rate of return. That's healthy, healthy. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I've had restaurateurs, I've had lots of restaurant clients. And, and so one guy looks at me and he chuck he laughs and he says, you obviously don't know the restaurant business. He said a good restaurant business is making a 4% return.
0: Well, that's what and the says. Yeah.
1: You know, so here's my answer to that. I'm like, oh, well then this is easy. Go sell everything that you have, take it over to my friend. You know the proceeds of that over to my friend Wendy Brookhouse, and she will invest that at you. But for God's sake, she can make more than four percent. Yeah. And, and you don't even have to go to work. You can sit back and you will make more money with her than you will going in and working fifteen hour days in a hot kitchen. All right. And so the light bulb comes on. Like like like. We, we, we want scapegoats. We want people to, we want to, we want to tell people that we're so unique, but there are certain physics of business yeah. that are tried and true right across. And if you're not aiming for the healthy metrics and you're, and you're giving yourself excuses, well, this industry is different than all of them. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. The restaurant business is not the same as the car business, which is not the same as the accounting. Business. I get that, but these are the types of tools that you can kind of go, okay, but but I need some benchmark without knowing what all the other restaurants are doing. Because nobody like a lot of people aren't out talking, hey, what's your return on revenue? What's your labor efficiency? But they're not talking about that. But but if you want this rule of thumb, is okay, what's a sustainable business that's gonna that's gonna um, remunerate me in a good way and also someday uh, uh, allow me to retire and have something saleable, yeah. if I can't be getting on, you know. 15% return to revenue. That's a, that's a noble goal. Like don't, and guys don't be tough on yourself. If you're not there yet, like that's, that's all right, but don't give yourself excuses to not strive for that. You know, really do strive for that. And and so that's the other big metric that we look at. And then just like a cockpit, we got a whole crab load of other dials that we're, that we're yeah, looking at. Exactly. Right? But those are the couple that, that are like, how are they doing? Are we on, yeah. are, are they off? Okay, what's going on? We drill down and then we look at other metrics.
0: No, I love that. And those are three very uh, important ones. Um, I love it. And I I can't wait to actually go calculate my return on revenue because I've never actually looked at that metric before. So that's really exciting.
1: I'm sure yours is like 40, 45%. I'm sure. Sure, sure,
0: John. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I love, so, so revenues of vanity stat is awesome. I I, here's one thing I see with business owners a lot too and I love the fact you talk about a cadence or a rhythm with looking at your numbers because I see all too often that um, owners get so busy that they this is like the thing that gets left behind is the numbers right and they once a year they pull out the big bag or the big whatever and that's when they start looking at their numbers um how do you what what do you say to clients who are like that to bring them slowly over to the side of let's look at them every month.
1: <clears throat> okay, uh, I'm gonna be blunt here. Every time I hear somebody say, I am so busy, I say, busy is the new stupid. Oh. <laughs> I think it just made my husband really happy. <laughs> yeah. so I'm sorry, Wendy. I, I, I'm sorry. We
0: this good. We, always, we don't I like shake, the word "busy."
1: Yeah, I got to shake people up. People wear that that B word with a big badge. You, you see them all the time. You see that now. Now, if you want, if you want to really give somebody a a, a a real shock when they ask you, "How are you doing?" Okay, "How are you doing?" Say to them, "You know what? I'm real productive." Now, now, that's a good, actually a good sales technique too. You're in the grocery store. And so how's, how's your business? Real productive. They're like, I don't hear that. Everybody says they're so busy. Everybody's running around with chicken with their head cut off. You're saying you're productive. Say that. And I, lo- I, got, I love saying it to my competitors. Love it. They say to me, oh, like, how's your tax season going? I, I've been working my whole life. So it's so busy. It's so busy. I'm like, actually, at Swain's, we're really productive. They're like, oh, what? What are you talking about? Love it. Um, so...
0: Thank you for joining the campaign against the word busy. Moving on. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, the thing is, is that one of the biggest nightmares I have, it it really, really, it really makes me sick when it happens is I sit down, I go, you know, I sit down for our year-end meeting, right? And I say, how's your year? How did it go? And they look at me and they say, you tell me. Okay. My heart breaks a little.
0: Yeah.
1: It breaks a little because it's, you know, I, I haven't instilled in these folks, the importance of numbers. Okay. So like, let's, let's break this down and make this as simple as possible. You know, we've all likely at some point in our lives tried to either lose weight or gain weight or improve our bodies or whatever health try to get health into our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's natural? Well, natural is we are like, Oh my god, I gotta cut the calories, I gotta cut the calories, I gotta, I gotta run, I gotta run like crazy, I gotta bite. And and we go through this like probably a month. It's a honeymoon. And 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 you know, and we look at the we get on the scale and the scale goes down, and and and, and we're working, we're working, we're working. And then we start to slow down because life gets busy. Busy. And this is tough, and it's not sustainable. And it's yeah. and, and it starts to slide a bit, and then we start the metrics that we're looking at, the scale. Which is, by the way, I mean, if anybody's in fitness, like, kind of is the worst. It's kind of like that revenue number. It's kind of like the worst metric, the scale alone. Yeah. But get the scale, and then it starts to plateau, then starts to go up, and then we get demotivate, demotivated, 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 right? Yep. And demotivation leads to, like, um, it's not working. I'm going to stop doing it. And I'm going to go focus on something else.
0: I'm just going to go for drive through.
1: That's right. And our businesses are almost exactly the same. So, so what I tell people's guys, like, just like, just like fitness and, and trying to work on our, our bodies and our health and all of that, pick simple goals to start with good, good, simple, sustainable. There's lots of time, have patience, start with one thing, Mm -hmm. just get in the habit of like, I don't even know what we're going to look at. Do I have a couple people on my team? I'm going to meet every single, for us, it's every Monday morning at 8.30, I meet with my leadership team. Come hell or high water, I don't care where we are, 8.30, it's sacrosanct, meaning client meetings do not get booked then, um, nothing ever, right? Now, when we first started that, the habit became like, how do we get treat that sacrosanct? In those meetings, we looked at one or two things, and 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 then, and then, then it becomes, you know, habits take, I think scientifically, psychologically, habits take 21 days to form.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Once the habit is formed, it, it it's always there. Okay. It's always there. It's just like driving to work. I mean, if we don't it drive to work. It's,
0: a subconscious mind. Yeah, you
1: don't even know what you're doing anymore. It's yeah. like it's a leadership meeting. Um, I just drove to work. I don't even remember like how many stops, how many stop signs were there? How many I don't know. But you got there and you, and you got there and you probably obeyed all the rules. And, and so we start simple, you know, like, like yeah. when we're trying to do weight loss or we're trying to build muscle or whatever, start with, okay, I'm going to walk the dog for a half an hour every day for just a while. Well, pr- you know, pretty soon that turns into a bit of a job. Then the, and then slowly we see the scales come down and, and, yeah. and business is the same way. Well, slowly it's like, okay, we're going to start adding metrics. We're going to start adding some improvements, small assignments here and there that people can do, small yeah. ones, easy ones.
0: Give so them wins. win. Have,
1: yeah, small wins. Yeah. People are going, oh, I'm like, that's cool. I actually had this really easy thing to do. I did. And then we saw the result of it. And that was cool. Because the thing is, is that improvement um, yields more improvement, more motivation. And I mean, truly, it's like the, the old saying, the rich get richer. That is absolutely true right? Yeah. That, you know, the, the people that are, have an improvement mindset, keep improving, keep improving because the reward, and if anybody has studied what habits are, habits are a cue, a routine, and a reward. That's mm-hmm. the three things that make up a habit in our brain. The cue, the leadership meeting, the routine, we're going to have a leadership meeting and talk about some improvements that we could do, or just even like what's go- gone on throughout the week. The three is we're going to go out and do some actions and notice improvement. There's, there, there's a reward. Holy crap. And reward is dopamine. I want more. I want more.
0: Right? Yeah. And I, it makes me feel like um, a couple of books I love, like Atomic Habits and, uh, um, you know, Scaling Up, those kinds of books where they just say, just do a little bit, keep going, yeah. compound effect. Because, you know, going for that walk half hour a day, you don't even realize, but by the end of the year, maybe you've lost 10 pounds and didn't even feel it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's the other thing, uh, Wendy, I'll just in regards to that. uh, The last six years have been a lot of personal growth for me in learning, in addition to losing my ego. Yeah. Letting go, letting process go to the people. But the other thing is patience. Now, as we get older, I'm 47 years old right now. As we get older, all of us start to feel like, God, the clock's ticking. Yeah, ticking. There's so much more I want to do, Um, and I do check-ins all the time, and that's this. Well, you know what though? I'm loving the process. The process is really fun right now. Yeah. Um, I know. I I know at the very minimum, I got at least ten or fifteen years that I want to do this. Yeah. And maybe more, but I'm gonna say like I got ten or fifteen years, and oh my lord, when you get when when you got the cadence of a strategy and the cadence of a continuous improvement in your business and, and in your life, because this stuff starts to bleed into your life. Um, that's when you start to love the process. And then time stops ticking, right? Like mm-hmm. you're living in the now going, this is just so much fun. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm not even thinking about like the next 10 or 15 years. And like, there's time. So just be patient and understand that you can't in any way. We can't have everything that we want right now. And the reality is that it begins, ends up being the journey. Yeah. We end up like getting to the end of it, going, like, I don't even like w- w- what is that finish line? Well, there is, there's no finish line. And so if you haven't been able to look back in your life and go, wow, like I made a difference. I had a hell of a lot of fun along the way. And I sort of have something, I have something to show for it at the end. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Then you've probably missed the whole point of life in general. So you know, and, and I don't suspect any of the folks on this on this call are living that way. But if you are, um, like, think about it. Like, if you aren't loving your life every single day, or trying to love it every day, so, I mean, some days are, are you can't, right? Yeah. But if you're not loving the majority of, of your days, then then make changes. Absolutely. That's my nick nickel's worth of free advice. <laughs>
0: Uh, Perfect. I'm going to open it up to see. Oh, there, I see uh, one question. Just a moment. I'm going to bring Christina down in for a question. Christina, you are live on
2: the bottom line with John Swain. (laughs) <laughs> I can just keep listening this is very inspiring John thank you and Wendy as always thank you I have two things um and I'm, I'm not actually going to ask a question because my question was answered I went into this with a couple of questions and they were answered throughout so I'm just going to say two things first of all John you sound like you were the easiest kid ever hey John take over the accounting of my business <laughs> okay so awesome like wow um the, the the um the other comment I wanted to make was as a person who deals with children, bolster family educational support, plug-plug, um, I help parents with with, with with empowering their children to be stronger citizens in the world. And when I listen to you as a child who is somebody who really embraced numbers, I think to myself, I bet you you're doing that as a parent. And I would love for you to think about what you could say to parents uh, on how to make their children more money savvy. Because it's a big issue. Um, I have an eight-year-old. What do we do with allowances? How do we how do we how do we do all that stuff? So I'm not I'm not necessarily looking for an answer to anything, but I I would love to have you consider that and um, maybe write a book. <laughs> if I can if
1: I can find a ghostwriter that'll like sort of do it for me um, <clears throat> for sure. Um, thank you, uh, Christina. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, the good news with you is that you, know, you can call me anytime and, and we, we can talk all day long if you like because I, I enjoy talking to you just as much. And your pursuit um, is very noble um, and it's great. And I'm glad you asked that question because financial literacy is something that I don't believe, I've got two, two teenagers um, one that's actually, it's, 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 it's actually kind of sickening because, uh, her welcome package to Dow just came and, and I realized that what, what the hell, like this kid was just in my hand, like what it felt like a couple of years ago. And now she, now I'm sending her off to Halifax to live like what, <clears throat> um, I've got two teenagers. So I, I know, like, I know what they're subject to in school and financial literacy isn't, isn't one of them. And I did not do everything, you know, I had had a real, my mother was an amazing woman, amazing woman. And she was the wisest person, much wiser than I ever was. And and so I did not do everything near as good as her uh, when it comes to financial literacy. And I say that because, you know, when... I think when, when my oldest was, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old, I, I think she had, she asked me what a bank account was. Right. And I try, you know, and I had a hard time explaining to her. I mean, it's, it's it sounds like the simplest little thing, but try to explain like, like what a bank account is. And so I did the best I could. And, um, Realize that wow, like I kind of missed the boat here. certain of the the real easy things at the beginning, and 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 I and this is just what I thought to myself. So this isn't necessarily advice because I kind of feel like in a way, um, somebody really should sit down and really think about at what age we start introducing this in. I think the younger the better. But you know, take your kids. This is just what I thought to myself. This is what I should have did. Um, I should have taken my kids. Like when they're six or seven years old, right? Taking them to the bank and opened up what you know. I know at RBC they got like the Young Leo account. It's just meant for kids, right? And, they, and now and they and they actually contribute five dollars. And <clears throat> I should have done that really young age and went there. You got you got a bank account, okay? Now we're gonna we're gonna start to build that bank account, and you know there's gonna be bills that you're gonna have. You come up with some some little, little bills,
0: the swing tax, right. for living at home, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, or even like, you know, like we're going to go to the, I don't know, the trampoline factory or something, or, the, uh, you know, that the jumping thing you're going to pay for yourself and yeah, just simple little things that make it fun. Right. Cause again, um, I, I think like I'm a real believer in the human, the human condition of, of habit forming. If we can yeah. create, like, like habits are, the one thing I did learn, I studied habits quite a bit. Habits are something that actually never go away. Like once they're wired in your brain, they actually, and you know this, like they never go away. And I say that as an ex-smoker, I haven't smoked since, oh, I don't know, September 14th, 1998, uh, but who's counting? Um, and there, there hasn't been a day, honestly, there's not been a day since that day that I haven't thought about. God, it'd be nice to have a smoke. God, it'd be nice every time the phone rings. I can't, I couldn't go get my smokes and, and pick up. The phone rings. Like, think about it's that. A trigger. It's a trigger. You know, like like a friend would call or my mother would call. My mother and I were like like smokers together. Like we we really really and she we quit about the same time. So, um, but 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 here we are, like you know, twenty some years later, and I'm still. Right. And so, and that's a negative habit, but let's turn that around. Like we create a habit when, you know, for somebody, when they're six years old, that's a good habit, you know, bank account, saving, uh, if, you know, one of the biggest regrets I have biggest regrets, and I don't have many, believe me, but here's one. I didn't start an RSP at the very beginning when I was, when I was able Right, that I didn't take money and start and put it away just a little, like even like you know wealthy barber stuff, like ten percent of my paper route money, you know, or my you know my you know working at working as a dishwasher money, or oh my god, I used to be a bellman at what is now the Marriott Waterfront, but used to be the Sheraton. I was a bellman and I made more money there uh, than, than sometimes I, I make today. That money, if I had put that away, you know, I could retire right now right? Like, but it was that that investing early, the magic and the power of compound interest or, you know, growth, like nobody taught me that. Like, God, if, you know, a six or eight year old learned that, holy cow. Like, what a world we live in. You know, There's the
2: one thing. There's the one thing. Compound interest. Do that. Yep. Drill down.
1: Credit cards. Oh my God. Like, get like get off of that that cocaine you know it's you know and and we're giving it out like you know they're giving it out at university like when the you know let's face it like I was I think 18 when I got my first credit card and I thought wow somebody just gave me $500 that was the limit back then somebody just gave me $500 I'm going shopping
0: yeah yeah
1: and that's where it started you know like eventually that credit card got rolled into a into like an, a you know some kind of like debt restructuring that I did like years later. Oh, that five hundred dollars yeah. probably cost me three thousand by the time it was. So, um, just just a couple things that I used to think of. Hopefully that helps
0: thanks you know i also think one of the things that uh, just to put my uh two cents worth in there is thinking uh if there's a literacy side but then there's also the messaging side about whether money is good whether it's bad does it have negative connotations we can control that very easily as well because yep. if we think back what do your mom did she made numbers fun and exciting for you john so that was cool yep exactly um, awesome well thank you so much john for today i think the real bottom line is here and i'm uh this interview was absolutely full of um uh bottom lines but i'm gonna go with that there the three metrics that you should be looking at in your business is labor efficiency contribution margin and return on revenue as a start uh, so john thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate your time My pleasure. Thanks,
1: guys.
2: Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.